I was going to do a Mrs. Doubtfire introduction, but I don't think I'll do that. Um, we'll just do a normal one. <laughs> Please do, Gary. Please do. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Would somebody kindly go and stop him? Give him a large brandy and pop him down. No, this, this really is beyond a joke now. He's, he's, he's gone gaga because this is, uh, this is quite... I've never seen anything like it before and to attempt to hit the ball out of there is pure madness. Have you seen a worse goal shot? No, to answer the question. It's terrible. This could be good. Come in. This could be good. Looks better than it is, folks. Not bad. <laughs> Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. It's the Royal and Ancient Company for Dishonourable Golfers podcast, episode number four. My name's Gary, and I'm joined today uh, once again by Crawford and by the returning Rob Cross. Crawford, Rob, how are you doing? And thank God Rob is back. That's all I can <laughs> say. <laughs> Look, I was away. I was at Woburn and I was eating beans. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, Fanny, I, I didn't think we were going to make it to four after three came out. <laughs> there was a deafening silence on the group after we dropped that. And it many, wasn't they were listening. Many, many very successful podcasts. You'll look back to the early days of the podcast and they'll always have a lost episode. One that gets deleted, <laughs> one that disappears down the hole. Crawford, last week will be that lost episode. And I'm making no bones about it. I'm squaring the blame on your shoulders. That's completely <laughs> your fault. But, <laughs> but, quick recap on last week, Crawford. Um, the one good thing that did come out of last week, the one world-changing event that came from last week, uh, for those of you who listened, all 12 of you, Crawford, I sent you away because you'd never eaten a Greg's before. Um, right. And your homework was to go to Greg's to get a sausage roll, a chicken bake, a steak bake, and then come back to us with your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on those beautiful items of flaky goodness. So, Crawford, talk us through it. So, yeah, I, I, t- I take my my, uh, my assignments very seriously. So today, um, <clears throat> I got up and I drove over to St Albans, which is not too far from me, where they have a Greg's, and put a little video on uh, on the group chat about uh, me going into Greg's. And then I went in, I got a steak bacon and a chicken chicken bake and a steak bake. I couldn't bring myself to get a sausage roll. I looked at them and they just looked minging. So I'm like, I can't do that. You're not not that committed then, are you? You're not that committed if you're not going to do all three. Come on. (laughs) I know, but it was like, 75p and there are people starving in the world not buying food and going to throw in the bin that's that's Um, like going to Amsterdam paying for the hand relief paying for the mouth and not paying for the whole hog you've really (laughs) let yourself you've let yourself the sausage roll is the staple the absolute bottom I know but I'm just not it's not a massive sausage roll fan I just don't I don't like the sausage why did you you choose those um, products Crawford what was the reason Uh, because when I went into Greg's uh, that was pretty much all they had. Um, it was the, it was early breakfast time, so they had loads of, I don't know, loads of shit in my donuts and stuff, and I'm trying not to trying to be good. And in the savoury section, they had they had a steak bake, a chicken bake, sausage rolls. They had like a bacon and cheese turnover. You should thing. have done that. You should have done um, that. Microwave uh, bacon and cheese turnover. That's yeah, the one, absolutely. Yeah. Are they good? Uh, yeah. And then I also. Um, uh, and then they also had a bean and cheese and sausage bake. Me, um, that's top tier. They have top I know, tier. but I, it, I, I looked at it and I thought, you know what? That looks to me like 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 high level Greg's, and I'm not really ready for that yet. I should go start in. off low. Start off that's low. It. Come on, then. What, what was it like? When they gave what was it, it like? What was the temperature like in it? First of all, because anytime mm. you go to Greg's, you could go to Greg's on one of the moons of Jupiter, where it is minus two hundred and seventy-three degrees Kelvin on the scale, and you could ask <laughs> the temperature of the steak bake, and the women would still go, "Oh, it's got a wee heat in it." So, what sort of temperature <laughs> was the pastry when it was given to you? Did you reheat it when you got home? Did you pop it in the oven? Talk us through the method. Uh, talk us through the tactics, and talk us through the taste. There was definitely a wee heat in it. Um, when I got it, but I bought it in the store, and then I, I then I went to Tesco's, and uh, then I came home in the car, which is like a half hour drive, 
and then I left them in the kitchen and then I took the dog for a walk for half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I came back and I ate the steak bake and then I tied it up and then I had a shower and then I ate the chicken bake. Is it that disgusting that you had to have a shower after? <laughs> <laughs> I had a steak bake, that feel dirty. <laughs> it wasn't too far off. I mean, I, so I, they were okay. I, I you know, put it this way, it's shit food, isn't it? And as shit food goes, it was okay shit food. Um, are you gonna, are you gonna have another one? No, fuck no, it was horrendous. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just, I, so there's a couple of things that are okay. I, I tend to like, when I'm eating pastry, I don't like pastry that's like overcooked. I quite like it kind of chewy a little bit, a bit doughy. Uh, and they weren't overcooked, they were quite kind of chewy and doughy, which was nice. Um, and the, the stuff inside them was marginally ed- edible. Uh, it wasn't horrendous. The chicken, I thought, was better than the steak. Um, but um, but they did have that kind of horrible, you know, like kind of greasy taste in your mouth. You kind of coat your tongue afterwards. You want to go and and uh, and and, uh, and have some brush your teeth. It was okay. Like, I don't right. know. You know. Let's tie a bow on it, Crawford. Are you going yeah. to subscribe or smash that shite button? Smash that shite button. Thank you. Smash that shite button. So... Back to the golf, which is why we're here. The last uh, last couple of episodes, uh, we've introduced a, a lovely section called the Flock Five, which has has led to some um, pitiful feedback um, uh, for some of us. But I believe Crawford's was very strong last week. Uh, mine, lukewarm, probably like a Greg's cheese and bacon turnover. But this week, we've got Gary who's going to give us his Flock Five. And I've had a little peek at it. And I think it is pretty strong again. Come on, Gary, give us your flop five. Yeah, I think it is pretty strong. Uh, what I will preface this with is saying that I have never really played a lot of uh, bigger, well-known courses until the last year. So most of these are actually probably tinged by a bit of recency bias, but I have played them in the last year, so they're still pretty fresh in the mind. So number five is a tie between Turnberry Elsa and Glen Eagles Kings course. Turnberry Elsa, yeah. uh, Trump Turnberry Elsa, is a fantastic <laughs> links course. It Not has for long. <laughs> uh, well, it's got a phenomenal stretch of holes from like 7 through to 11 along that coastline some of the coolest par 3s I've ever played you've got the iconic lighthouse uh, when I played it it was in about 40 mile an hour winds so we've got blown all over the course so maybe didn't get the full experience but still really really enjoyed it really appreciated that stretch of holes Glen Eagles Kings course played it twice probably the best inland parkland sort of course in Scotland. There's not a dull hole. There's not a throwaway hole. There's not a boring hole in the whole 18. Um, it's, it's one of those courses I could sit down and walk you through every single hole from 1 to 18 because I remember them all. Uh, huge greens, hard greens. Watch the grunt, five part one of them. Personal highlight <laughs> of my year, to be honest. Uh, so it was absolutely phenomenal. Really enjoyed that, Glen Eagles Kings. So that was a joint number five. Uh, number four, sentimental one, but it's Anstruther, nine-hole golf course. When I was putting my top five together, I, I was thinking and along the lines of, if you said to me you could play any course tomorrow, what would the five be in that order? Um, so Anstruther would be number four. Lovely nine-holer, three of the strongest par threes that I've ever played. Amazing views off the coast of um, the East Nuke of five. You can see the chippy from the second green, which is always a bonus. And I also seen Crawford hit a ball into somebody's garden and vault the fence to get <laughs> said ball. So again, a lot of great personal <laughs> memories there as well. This, this is on the, on the same day as St Andrews. That's on the same day that you hit a car. So on one day you did hit a car and somebody's garden you know shed. What? I'm just, just going to say quickly, the one thing is about uh, Amstruller is to go and play the king, like this, uh, the old course in the morning with your mates, which is kind of, you know, the, the very pinnacle of like golf nerdism around the world, to go play that in the morning and then in the afternoon to go down and to play Amstruller to like the opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. It was an absolutely perfect day. It's like the absolute, it's the perfect yin and yang. If you're in that yeah. area, a lot of people will be going in trips there and you want to tick off the old, the new castle, King's Barnes, Carnoustie, all that sort of thing. If you've got a big, huge, mammoth, hardcore, heavyweight course to play in the morning and you just want to have a lovely walk, half set, couple of bottles of beer, sun going down, little wander stroll, 
3,000 yards, I think, tops for the nine holes. Two, I think it's like 2.5, 2.6 or something like that. No par fives, five par threes. It's just perfect. It's just the perfect. Go out with your mates, try and shape shots off cliffs, that sort of stuff. So love that. And that, number... that hole, was it the fifth hole, the part of the long par fifth, three? Fifth, hardest par three in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> That's in... insane. 243 yards round the cliff. You have to start it over the water and cut it um, round the cliff, basically. Um, my dad once hit it into the water, hit a rock, and it bounced onto the green. And I was 11, <laughs> and he told me he meant it, and somebody told him that. <laughs> and for a good few years, I believed that. So he stood there and just watched me hitting balls purposefully into the water to try and bounce it off that specific rock. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I've actually seen him do it, though. I've seen him hit, uh, hit a rock in the water and it bounce onto the green. And I think that's the only time uh, he's ever parred it. So that was great. But that's number uh, four. Um, three, North Berwick. Um, again, played it for the first time this year. Played it in February. Uh, very, very windy conditions, but it's probably the most fun back nine I've ever played in a golf course just the most fun stretch everybody knows you've got the 13th with the little wall running up um, in front of the green but there's so many short fours that you can either take on um, but you can easily make a six if you find yourself even the slightest bit offline or you can plonk an iron down the middle try and find your way in from 90 to 100 yards it's got a few reachable fives um really good redan three in there as well and then you've got 16 well, it's, it's the original redan isn't it, it is the Apparently. redan is the redan and then you've got the uh, 16th which is the par four with the huge basically a chasm in the middle of the green. So it's like huge big dip in the middle of the green. Um, 17th, big blind green. 18th, that, you know, classic old course closing hole, 260 yards. You can have a go at it, but you can also hit a car, Crawford, if you want to. Um, <laughs> it's just like the perfect back nine. The front nine, the only thing that stopped it from being like a couple higher for me was the front nine we played into like a 40 mile an hour wind and there was like par fours. I, I was hitting drive three, wouldn't wedge into and stuff and we just got our heads kicked in. So you don't really appreciate the fun parts of the course when like you're making really, really good bogeys all the way, but really want to play North Berwick in the summer when it's firm, fast, and the greens are fast, but that's definitely uh, up there at number three. Number two, uh, I've, I don't know I don't know if I've ever told anybody this uh, before. Uh, this might be a podcast exclusive, but um, I've played Royal Melbourne, uh, and I played that in February, and Royal Melbourne is probably the best golf course I've ever played in terms of hole-by-hole, proper big boys, proper golfers, golf course. Like, the layout is unbelievable. The bunkering. I'm not an architecture guy. Like some guys talk about architecture, and Ryan Nodes will send 7,000 paragraphs about grass, and I switch off. Sorry, Ryan, it is super interesting, but I switch off because um, I'm not a big architecture guy. But even just standing there and having uh, a guy by the name of Matt Mollica, who's like a historian of Royal Melbourne, just talk me through the layouts and how that's developed over the years and how the course was built and how people have played it through the years. I was just in complete awe walking around that Which course. course did you play at Melbourne? Don't know, mate. Is there, is there two? No, it was <laughs> <laughs> it was the West. So obviously, when you see the when you see the Presidents Cup, um, you see the composite course, and they pretty much, I think it's like fourteen holes from the West they take, and then they take two or three uh, from the East because the West does go over the road for like 13, 14, 15, and they're meant to be the quote unquote weak holes, but they're not weak holes. They're just not as jaw dropping as the rest of them. Um, the par threes there, probably the best par threes in any golf courses in the world. They're, they're pictured like mad. You can find like unbelievable amounts of photos of them online and stuff. They don't get any better than that um, in terms of par threes. A lot of quirky fours, short fours, par fives are great as well. Um, you can go, you can knock it around in a decent score. I did When I played, I played, made a few birdies. Um 99.9% sure I had COVID while I was playing that, so my head was a complete fuzz, but that actually made me enjoy it more because I wasn't worrying about anything. I was just kind of like lucidly floating about, just swinging my club and going up and having fun. Do you know what's, what's mad about that? I'd like, I remember really vividly you being there on that whole trip, and it seems like forever years ago. Forever ago. It was February. I can't believe that was February. like what, the world was ago? the world was normal. Everything was normal <laughs> then. But um 
unreal course, honestly, and just the whole setup of it. I've, I've never had such a up until that point, I'd never had such a good day out playing golf. That was the pinnacle. And then we got to August and we got to number one on my list, and that is the old course, St Andrews. It's just, I think a lot of people, to maybe try and be different or to maybe try and be contrarian, will talk about the old course and say, oh, it was quite boring or there's not much to it or it's quite flat. Bullshit. The lot of it is bullshit. It is the best golf course in the world if, in order to be the best golf course in the world, it's not only the best layout, it's got the most history, the most fun shots, the most replayability. For us, we were maybe the luckiest guys in the whole of the UK in that day. We played it 7-10 tea time. Uh, myself, Crawford, Alan Martin and Chris Conway, 21 degrees, not a breath of wind in the air. We were the first was, group out. It, it was, was a ridiculously nice day. It was just perfect. We had nobody in front of us. We zoomed around the old course in three and a half hours. Um, every single shot you've seen somebody hit on television, every single shot uh, I've walked the course, God knows how many times as well, and I'm trying to imagine and, and try to look forward to playing those shots. People say some of the holes are weak. The eighth isn't a great par three. It's quite weak. I birdied it. I don't care. The ninth, it's a short par four. <laughs> it's quite boring. I birdied it. I don't give a shit. I made birdies, so it's a great golf hole. Um, on the way back that- in... Is that, is that the one at the end where you kind of come back and just a little J bit to the ninth? Yeah, yeah. So you've got the par three, the eighth. Um, you've got the ninth, yeah. which kind of is just like the 280-yard par four. And it is dead yeah. straight and it's right out the front massive, of you. a massive, green. Yeah. And then you've got the tenth, which is another short four. So that bit, like, you, you, you can argue all day that that's pretty straightforward. And if that was in a field somewhere else, it would be shit. But it's not in a field. It's in St. Andrews, so it's the best. Yeah. Um, the 17th, the road hole is the best golf hole in the world. Um, the first hole is the best opening hole in the world. The 18th is the best closing hole in the world. It's just St. Andrews. It's the best little town in the world as well. We had the best day ever. We had the best golf. We had the best laughs. Um, and that would just Gary, that how, day would take how, a lot to be taught. How much of your... How much of your experience of that was uh, heightened by the fact that I did what I did? 80%. First day. <laughs> 80% of that um, was. But you know what? The best part about that was I think everybody was quite nervous because like we'd not played with each other before. You're playing the old courses, caddies out, there's people out watching and stuff. And then you did that. And I just went completely at ease. And I thought, well, can't be that bad. So (laughs) 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 I just like chilled out so much. And then if you remember, I went down to the second shot, put a seven iron to about a foot, made a birdie at the first, (laughs) watched you tap in for a nine and felt fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. You talk about, you know, a huge amount of that course is the experience of it. So I, it's the first time I played it as well. And I was staying uh, with Alan when I was up there that time. And uh, I remember Alan and I, about, about half, well, a quarter to five, five o'clock in the morning, I could hear him up having a piss. And I was wide awake. I kind of opened the door and I'm like, Alan, Alan, we're playing the old course. Oh, exactly. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. We got like down there like Christmas. 45 minutes early. We were wandering around. We kind of taken everything in. I was so excited. I don't normally get first tea nerves. But I was genuine. It wasn't nerves. I was just overawed by the whole experience of it. Like I couldn't believe it. It's, exci- it's excitement as well, isn't it? It's excitement. Yeah. Like the night, excitement. I'd driven up from London the night before and I parked in the middle like behind the RNA. I was there on my own in the town. No one else had got there at that stage. And I walked down past the Himalayas, around the back of the first hole, across the second tee, over by the 17th, taking pictures, just looking at everything, looking at the old course hotel, looking back up towards the Swilkin Bridge. And I was just, every single bit of it, I knew so well. And yeah, I'd never been there before. Yeah. And so I, 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 I got quite, I felt like a little bit emotional in the first tee as well, because like, I've yeah. been going there since I was 10. Uh, we, we'd go up every year for a, a summer holiday for a, a week up there. And then my mum and dad bought the caravan up there about eight years ago. So I go up multiple times a year. And uh, I've, I've stood watching people tee off at the first green. I've stood watching people putting on the 18th green uh, for years. Uh, and I've sat there with coffee, sat there with my wife, walked it with my mum and dad, my sister, that sort of thing. Never been able to either not afford to play it or uh, not really been playing golf much for whatever reason. Um, and then always just thinking, oh, one day I'll play it, one day I'll play it. And to actually get round to it and to kind of stand in the first tee, because you've always thought, like, how many times have you thought, look at that fairway, like, I wonder what we'll do in the first tee, St Andrews, I wonder what to do, like, I wonder what will happen. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I never wondered as hard as you did, uh, Crawford, but, like, you always just kind of wonder. And same walking up the 18th, um, 
like, I had a pretty good drive down the 18th, walking over the Swilkin Bridge and walking up that 18th and seeing a crowd of like 40 or 50 people standing watching you uh, knocked a chip onto the green and I thought fuck yes I've got 20 feet for birthday on the 18th I'm going to ram this in people are going to clap me I'm going to give a little wave and walk off anyway I three putted and made a five but the sentiment was still there and uh, it was just it, it was kind of everything that I'd wanted it to be because always with these things you build these things up in your head and you go out and play the course and it's never what it is in telly or it's never what you've built it up to be in your mind whereas St Andrews exceeded that for me and that was partially due to the course but it was also the weather the company the golf itself just the whole package the whole day that we had cracking chippy at the end of it and that's that will for a long time until it's topped by somewhere else will be my my number one Royal Melbourne's the best golf course I've ever played St Andrews is the best day I've ever had on a golf course no uh, no pressure then because uh, if uh, if Covid hadn't hit I would have had the old course in my top five I'm sure but we got we got postponed so uh, we were actually it was, due, we it were, was Rob's, Rob's 40th birthday this year and we were all supposed to go at the end of March so I was supposed to go to play the old course at the end of March and then go back to the Mackenzie two weeks later you were doing some scouting got, you were getting there for some practice days yeah <laughs> Look, plenty of time to make up for that next week. Next year, lads, plenty of time to make up for that. There's going to be. I said. Well, we're rebooked. We're rebooked. I said that to a couple of guys in the chat today. Um, There was maybe a lot of talk, especially with you guys in England being in lockdown, saying I should be here today. We should be going there tomorrow. Let's not think short term. Let's try and keep the spirits up. Let's try and keep the um, the morale high and think. Look at all those amazing events, and we, we did cover it in episode three. Look at all those amazing events and that calendar yeah. that we've got put in place for next year. Twenty twenty one is going to be fucking amazing. That, that calendar is fucking outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pro tour. It's a pro tour schedule. <laughs> it's your... Genuinely, the pros don't go to that many nice places. They end up playing fucking Hanby Manor and the Belfry and some shit and place in yeah, I'm in uh, in Spain or something. Fucking Aphrodite Hills in, in Cyprus. So <laughs> we're playing yeah. the Barsher and Allwoodley. And if you are listening to this just now and you're in the middle of lockdown, which I know you are, and spirits are a bit low, and you're listening to me talking about playing amazing courses and being gutted that you can't, just let's not look short term. Let's look medium term. Vaccines on its way. February, March next year. Kick things off at Glen Eagles. Twenty four of us, and then we've got like pretty much the best year of golf ahead of us. So. Keep that in the back of your mind. Keep buzzing. Uh, and also, we've maybe got the best week of golf on television this week as well. And that is a segue and a half, as they call it. Uncle Roy's fourth shot. He's got to get up and over this little tree. And that hit it. Obviously, it's Masters Week this week. Um, and it's slightly different because it's in November. But I, what, do you, what do you guys think to the coverage um are you are you obviously excited but a bit disappointed that it's a 2t star and the 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 timings there's not an awful lot of coverage i mean i know the masters is probably the least airtime anyway of the four majors because sky obviously cover the open and, and the us and the well they've had the pga back which are pretty much the whole week is just continuous golf and when the golf is actually on it's on all day but the masters is a bit bit limited and even more so this year with the sort of 2T start and uh, I have to say, free... I, I've never understood that I've never understood why they don't well, like it was only a couple of years like basically you only ever see well yeah maybe mine you only ever see um, the like the front nine on a Sunday like they rarely show any footage of the front nine holes on like Thursday and Friday and I've never understood why because like, the most famous biggest show in the world why don't they want? I mean, the thing is now with their new My Golf app, you will be able yeah. to see all those holes because you can just choose to watch people that aren't playing. But I've often wondered whether it's because there are actually it's an it's an invitational. There's a bunch of shit golfers who are out there, and they just don't want to show you people like Sandy Lyle hacking around the front nine. Um, Maybe I, don't know what it is. It's I think weird, but they, they isn't it? Isn't it? There's something. To, it's something to do with the cameras. I'm sure of it that they don't have cameras on a lot of the holes on the front nine. And it's well, just... Yeah. So they, they, they used to not... So what, uh, Augusta's a bit different to the rest of them. So basically, all the cameras and all the equipment belongs to Augusta. And all the, yeah. all the staff are all hired by Augusta. They create all the images. And then all the different, like Sky, 
buys the feed off Augusta National, off the Masters tournament, unlike other tournaments where the TV company actually turns up with their own staff and does it. Um, so maybe that is part of it. They haven't, they never traditionally put TV towers in there, but obviously now they have done because if you can do this my golf or my team thing, whatever it is, and show every single shot, they must now have cameras in every single hole. Yeah. Funny when you talk about coverage, because I've always felt like when, you, when I've been growing up watching golf, the Open was always sitting there in front of the TV all day Saturday, all day Sunday through the day. And the Masters was always staying up late on a Saturday night and Sunday night, sitting yeah. down in the living room with my dad watching it on TV. Um, and on a Sunday, watching the winner crowned at like midnight. I remember watching Phil in 2004 at like midnight, half 12, uh, and knowing that he had school the next day and stuff, but you were staying up late to do it. And then last year, do you remember on the Sunday last year because of weather concerns they had it finished dead early as well? Um, yeah. So Tiger won at like 7.30, p.m. or so. Um, so that kind of, it's just weird how that sort of puts you off because you kind of egg yourself up to sit down, crack open a bottle of wine, eight o'clock, uh, and then ride it through uh, to like 12, half past 12. Um, but we had to reschedule our day. Wife wasn't buzzing with that because we had the board games night sorted out uh, and I was kind of half watching the golf. But it was it was the greatest four or five hours of entertainment of all time. We'll get into that. Um, but I think as Crawford says... The Sky coverage will be what it is. It's always pretty good. Um, but yeah. having that app, you've got Sky coverage on and you can have that app sitting on your iPad or in the background and you can literally sit and watch. It's like being spoiled for choice, any shot. Maybe I want to watch Sandy Lyle and his cool little breeches <laughs> and his woke little hats and his, his pre-woke little hats knocking it round in 95 and going, that's that's more like what I would do around there <laughs> rather, rather than watching the pros go out. So is the, is the app the official Masters app? Yeah. yeah. And it's basically so you, real you time. To, yeah, you go to the App Store or Google Play Store, that you go into list, put in the Masters Golf, comes up with an app, download it, and there's a thing, there's a section in it where you, you basically you go into all of the players and you star all the players you want to follow. And then there's a section called, I think it's, is it my team or something like that? Or my, yeah. my team? And then it basically shows you every single shot from every single one of those players for the entire tournament. So that's a really, really cool feature. But what that also does, and not to go into a complete coverage general take, but the amount that that exposes how little that the real corporations and sports companies, and I'm not, I won't blame Sky, but the, the, the American companies, how little they get away with when there's the capabilities there to to do yeah. what that app is doing. And you, oh. you would want it week by week, but even World Golf Championships, Masters, all the majors, the cock of the North, all the big ones, um, you would <laughs> you would expect that sort of coverage from now on because they know they can do that. And it's, it's going to be absolutely class to do that uh, and follow whoever you want, especially if you've got a few quid on it. So uh, no, I couldn't be more buzzing for it. And I think, I, I know a lot of guys are maybe thinking um, because it's happening during lockdown that they'll feel a little bit pining to get out there and gutted that they can't get out but what better uh what better way to get over not being able to go out and play golf and sit and watch the best week of golf of the year um for Absolutely. 12 hours a day and do, you know, do you know what i'm really looking forward to as well on like saturday or particularly on sunday is watching it and the chat mm-hmm. in the whatsapp yeah group while that's we're part watching. of the experience that's going to be part of it it's just a hundred and odd guys all just sitting fucking live streaming their thoughts as we're going with it, that's going to. Imagine, can you imagine? Can you imagine the traffic on that WhatsApp if should, Rory's should in just, contention on Sunday night? Just do a, oh. do a Zoom. Just do a Zoom with like 150 of us on the Zoom, just all like literally watching it together. That would be carnage, and I'm absolutely in. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on, let's move on. So we've we've got the Masters coming up this weekend, and uh, Gary, you sent out in the, in the group chat to the flock to sort of say um, what are your favourite Masters moments, first memories you know, the funniest thing that's happened and what do we want to happen this year? Should we should we talk about what, what we want first? Because obviously we get that, you know, we're, we're kind of here doing it. So what's your, I mean, Crawford and Gary, what is your favourite Masters moment? Crawford? Uh, it, it's difficult to look beyond Tiger last year, partly because of recency bias, partly because I'm just a massive Tiger fan, um, partly because I think that you know, in 20 years' time, people will look back and think, I see that as one of the great sporting moments, the same way that people look back and look at Jack Nicholson and uh, Nicholas in 86 as a great sort of golfing sporting moment. 
Um, but a huge part of it was because it was the very first event that we all did in the RICDG, and there were a bunch of us up in, um, uh, up in, or we were at Moortown in Leeds, and we'd only met each other like hours earlier, and then we finished. We we they, they were playing when we were on the back nine, so they were just going on to twelve as we were finishing on the eighteenth green, and we walked into the clubhouse and we were watching Tiger hit the green. And then they gave us dinner and we all sat eating dinner together watching Tiger win the Masters. And like, we didn't know each other four hours, five hours early. We'd never met before. By the end of that, we were all like best friends forever. Like we were hugging each other. It was like a very emotional moment. Um, and that to me was pretty special. Yeah. What about you, Gary? I mean, that's that's up there as well. I think for me, watching Tiger celebrate like he did was very very emotional especially when he's yeah. coming off and giving his you know his kids a hug and we we yeah, rarely was... saw that side of tiger when he was uh, the machine you know that that we all really knew and i think that is that's certainly one of mine as well what what about you gary is that yours as well we can all yeah i mean all move you know, on. it's really hard to break new ground on that one you know a million things said million words written about it um i watched it with my dad and my wife who was pregnant at the time i was two bottles of red wine deep I cried. Tiger's the reason yeah. I got into golf, reason I play golf. And then, do you know what's funny? When they replayed it this year in 2020, uh, I was then a father. Uh, I wasn't in 2019. And they replayed it and I sat and watched it. And all, all the stuff with Charlie the first time, it was just, it was what it was to me. It was kind of twee. I quite liked it and stuff. And then as yeah. a dad watched it and I was I was blubbering, I was gone. <laughs> like And I watched a, I watched a video of it on Twitter again yesterday and I felt the goosebumps and I, I felt the yeah. little kind of nudge in the throat as well. And I'm, it's just a fucking cool. It's it's the best sporting moment I've ever seen in my life. It transcended golf for me. It was the, the absolute peak of competitive sports for me, apart from that WrestleMania video that I, I sent the other day. Um, but that was... <laughs> no, that was... That's the absolute, up there. Well, I mean, I'll there are a bunch of others that I... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to. I was going to do exactly what you're going to do there, Cad. It's just say, uh, just for talking sake, a couple of others. Phil in 2004, huge Phil fan for years. Loved Phil. Um, I was maybe sucked in by his goofy nice guy thing. I now know that he's a bit of a twat, and I probably love him even more. But I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was the coolest. He was a perennial underdog. I did love Tiger, but always wanted to see Phil win the big one. Um, so watched that in 2004, watching him drain the winning putt and do his big dad jump with the arms up in the air, um, getting about half a foot off the ground and stuff. I remember being absolutely buzzing for that one as well. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, the bigger one, one of the biggest moments in the last few years, Patrick Reed taking it home in 2018. You know, there was there was, there was uh, <laughs> cries Scumbag. of joy all across Scumbag. America. <laughs> It's a controversial inclusion there. It didn't happen. It's like the Glen Eagles centenary course, Crawford. <laughs> it never happened. It doesn't exist. Funny, so, I, remember, I, I was watching that. I remember sending my wife, Rory could win the Masters. This is the night. Rory's going to win the Masters and I'm going to watch every damn shot. And I sat down on my sofa and Rob and I were like talking on WhatsApp to each other. Yeah, we were, it. yeah. And yeah. it was just, I, I remember the first, like watching, because he was wearing like a, Rory's wearing a white sweater. And everyone was, and you could kind of see that everyone at Augusta, all the members, everybody there, they were all saying good luck to him. They all really wanted to see him go out and win it. And then his first shot, he almost missed the club. The club had almost <laughs> missed the ball. Like he hit the ball with the out very toe of the fucking club. And he sent it yeah. off into the trees. And then he kind of got it together. And then is it this, he recovered the hugely, part? didn't he? It was the he first did recover. Five. Is it the, is it yeah. the third of the second of the third In, where he had I like two it's... feet for eagle? He missed it. And we, you and I have always said, Rob, had he missed that, if he, had he made that eagle putt, I think yeah. he would have won that day. Absolutely. I think it just made him doubt himself and made him doubt his line with the putter and it was useless. But um, so that was an interesting one. I mean, I, watching Adam Scott win a few years ago. Yeah, was that's one of because, mine. Because you know, a few months earlier, he'd blown up at, uh, at Lytham and lost the Open. And to see him go up and do that was nice. Also because of the... You know, Australian things that they never have him on it before. And it was also um, that Stevie Williams massive fuck you to Tiger that year. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite fun. So yeah. we've got have you got any of the, the flocks replies, Gary, there to hand? I've got I've got Big Davy H's one and his favourite Masters moment is Tiger's chip in on sixteen. I don't even know what year that was, yeah. but what is this? that as James over, Allen over strangely, strangely put it, when Tiger holed out at the par three, which... 
I thought we were fine, but I just thought that was the weirdest. You're in the wrong group. I just thought that was the weirdest. It's like everybody always says the chip in at 16 and 05, but it was just when he holed out at the par three. <laughs> like, technically, you're right. That's exactly what happened, but it's also like the weirdest way to say that. Um, no, we, got, we had some belters through. Um, a couple of favourite ones. So I've got, um, I don't even know who said this one because the name is obscured, but Jordan Spieth imploding on 12 in 2016. Oh, uh, literally in nothing, nothing gives me, gave me more pressure. That's Rob, that Rob Emerson, that is. Probably will be. Uh, and then is, watching yeah. Willett and Westwood duke it out for the win. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, he, he chunked two straight into the drink and that was when uh, Jordan Spieth's RIP began, I think. Um, it's, it's funny because he, he won Brokedale the following year but I've always maintained that that broke him that day. I think up until that point, he thought he was he thought he was like uh, he couldn't do any wrong. He could like it was he, the whole he never thing won was until easy Burkdale to him. again, did he? He never no, won again until Burkdale because that was twenty sixteen, and then he never won until Burkdale in July twenty seventeen, and, he and so, then he's been since. he's been Charles ever since. Yeah, so I I, I think that that broke him. That's um. I know we've we've got funniest things coming up, but. I, that, that links to the funniest thing that, that hasn't happened at the Masters but has happened to me is that basically I fell asleep um, when Jordan Spieth, I think, was on the 10th or the 11th and he was leading by, was it five, four or five? Yeah, yeah. And I woke up with Danny Willett in a green jacket and I thought, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And Twilight I Zone. Genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely rewound my Sky Plus and I watched it again. I couldn't believe it. I just, I woke up. I was like, what? I was like blinking like, what the hell? Danny Williams won the Masters. I just couldn't believe it. The grunt for Red October. Uh, so probably the best message we received on favourite Masters moments. And it was from Grunt. I don't know if Grunt's becoming self-aware. Um, he's like <laughs> a sentient <laughs> robot that's become self-aware and realised how funny he is. But he said... My favourite Masters moment is probably Colin Montgomery's tied 14th in 2002. Colin <laughs> represented Scotland and men with tits with grace and dignity. It is sad that his 2002 achievement was overshadowed by Tiger winning back-to-back titles. Barely an achievement for a man without man boobs. So, that was, that was Grunt's take of the week, no doubt. <laughs> it has to be. What, what position did Montgomery come for? Tied 14. Tied 14, sorry, yeah, tied 14, so uh, <laughs> it was a big one. A uh, couple of the other random ones I'll run through. Andrew Hall's given us Adam Scott holding a putt to get in a playoff uh, with Mark Leishman fist pumping and shouting Aussie, Aussie, Aussie in the background. Yeah. Uh, thought that was cool. Uh, John Stern says uh, Tiger Woods nearly getting his ankle broken by a security guard. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. That's such a forgotten moment from last year. Like, yeah. Security yeah. guard, it was a, it was a two-footed studs-up slide tackle. <laughs> it totally took him out, yeah. didn't he? Imagine that broke his ankle. <laughs> Imagine Tiger didn't win the 2019 Masters because he had his ankle broken by... A security guard that had just been taken out by a Matt Webb sniper shot. Like that's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> mental. Well, I remember that time thinking. Imagine if he broken his ankle and like or damaged his back, and like that was the end of his career. Yes, yeah, exactly. So easy. Like um, Sean Arbo, Sir Sean Arbo, um, says his favourite moment was probably the yes, sir. Uh, Jack sinks a putt on the 17th to 71st hole to grab the lead for the first time in 11 years. He would then go on to shoot a back 930 and win the 86 Masters. There was a really cool tweet today. I think it was Brando Shambly that put it up. Said that um, when Jack won that 86 Masters, um, I can't remember it, the exact no, thing. It, it was 23 years since, since he's been at his first Masters, his yep. first win when he won the second yeah. one, and he was number 33 in the world at the time. Yep, and, and at Tiger's the minute, it's 23 years, 23 years since Tiger won his first Masters, and he's number 33 in the world. Serendipity. It's a brutal game, and we're all a little fragile, and we all feel for him. So, the, the other things that we've asked, Gary, were what, what's people's first memories um so i'll kick it off and i'll say i wasn't heavily into golf when i was younger but i do remember um i think it was 96 or 97 um and when nick faldo 
um, ate away at Greg Norman or slash Greg Norman chucked it away. Uh, and Fado ended up, ended up winning by five or six. That's the earliest Masters memory I, I, I've had. Um, so, yeah, what what about you, Gary? Um, this, is, this is a weird one, right? Because I'm sure I watched the earlier Tiger ones, but the last, the first one I can properly remember was uh, VJ winning in 2000. That, that's it, like, the first one, like, was it 2000 he won? Yeah. Uh, yeah VJ Singh. Then, yeah. It was either 2000 or 2000. No, it was definitely 2000 because Tiger won in 01 and 02. So yeah, watching VJ Singh win. And then what's weird is VJ Singh very rarely gets talked about anymore. But VJ Singh dominated world golf when Tiger was at his peak. Like he's an incredibly, incredibly underrated guy, and I suppose that's because he never had much personality, yeah. and he was generally quite disliked in golf circles and accused of did being a cheater and whatever did, else. But did you listen to the shotgun, uh, shotgun star episode about VJ? Nope. It's re- it's really good. Talk about deep his dive. Uh, where he, where, yeah, his deep dive where he came from and coming up and playing the Australian tour and then like the Sunshine tour and then the European tour. He, he won like America. times in 2004 or something like that on tour. He had like eight or nine. But yeah, watching him in 2000 and I, I really liked him for a while as well because I just like guys that wore visors for some reason. So Phil <laughs> wore visors and VJ wore visors and I was big into the visor guys. What was Crawford, what was yours? Uh, it depends. So my grandfather taught me to play golf, and I remember watching a couple of things with him. So I, I remember, I kind of vaguely remember seeing Seve win is one of my first memories of the Masters. I remember watching the first time the Nick Faldo won, not the Greg Normal one, the other one. I remember watching the first time he won it. Yeah. But it wasn't. It weren't like really clear memories. The first clear memory I have was Tiger in '97, and the reason I remember it was because I was working in a bar in South London at the time which was run by this old Irish guy who was a golfer. And he had it all in the bars. Everyone's out playing pool. And it was on Sunday evening in the pub while I was pulling pints. And, uh, and when Tiger wins, this old Irish guy turns around to me and he says, cocky little cunt, I'll see if he comes over here and hits it in the fucking open in the wind. <laughs> I always remember that. I remember looking at it and going, I remember like that voice, like an older person I'm going, yeah, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there. Like he might hit it in the Masters, but like he's not a real golfer unless he can come over and hit it in the wind in the open. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he turned up and fucking smashed it all over the place. Worked out all right, didn't so, it for him? Yeah, yeah. Have we got any from the flock, Gary? Um, yeah, first Masters memory. Strangely enough, Grunt also says VJ winning at the 2000 Masters. Um, we've got a few of the older flock members giving us Woosnam winning in 1991. It's another strange one as well. I think that's up there with, I, I was making the point a few days ago, guys like Sandy Lyle and Ian Woosnam went to America and won the Masters and don't really get kind of spoken about in the same breaths as the Faldos, um, the Pol- even like the Porters, the Westwoods, of the world, whereas these guys were kind of going over in a time where it was uh, a lot less, it was it was more kind of exotic. The British guys going over to America and winning uh, the big American tournaments when they weren't playing there every week. Guys like well, they weren't on they weren't on the tour, were they? They yeah, weren't part so, of the tour. That's the difference now. Is you've got well, those so guys. It's like if, they're if, over if you listen, there. If you listen to all the shotgun starts deep dives, you realise that back in the eighties and nineties. A lot of the time, like even if you were the number one golfer in the world in Europe, you still weren't invited to the Masters. Like it was actually really difficult for them to get a fucking invite in the age, yeah. like seventies and eighties. Um, and then and then they had this kind of British wave that went over because Seve won it, Falder won it, Woosnam won it, Olafabal won it, Sandy Lyle won it, um, and uh, and then it became like a thing that the Europeans would come over and win it a lot. But again, their deep dive in Woosnam is absolutely brilliant. It's one of the funniest well, things I've ever read. What would you say? What would be like the the nowadays equivalent of Woosnam going over there and winning that in 1991 would that like Danny somebody Willett. that yeah like, <laughs> but like yeah somebody that plays predominantly in Europe isn't maybe in the top two or three or four it would British be like players. Eddie Pepperell it would be like someone like Eddie Pepperell yeah. that is yeah, well, very much a, a kind of yeah or well no Norman plays on the PGA Tour it would be very much like someone that isn't a PGA Tour member well, that the goes reality, over the, and wins. The reality is that no one, because they just don't get that anymore. You don't yeah. get a situation no. where the best players in the world do not play on the PGA Tour. They're all there. They're all yeah. there. Let's yeah. go into the good shit. The funniest thing. Lots yeah, of well, good I've stuff given, come in I've, there. I've given I've given you mine, but it obviously it happened to me at, uh, during the the Masters. So 
what have we got from you guys and, and the flock? Crawford? Uh, well, I, I know a few people have said this, but again, recency bias, but when when what's his name whiffed his drive on 13 a couple Zach of years ago? Johnson. Zach Johnson. Oh my God, that was one of the funniest <laughs> things. But what gets me is it's it's the it's the his reaction to it when he does it and he's just like, oh shit, what am I do now? He looks around at the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I also like the fact that he's I, like I a really total... wish that one of them had looked at him straight in the eye and gone got a player Zach <laughs> <laughs> but he's like a, a total um, like god boy bible basher and everything as well and he's just turned around and went oh shit <laughs> <laughs> like guttural like, reaction but, but yeah and, do you know what the thing is that was so so relatable like how many times have you done I've done it over putts I've done it with like a wedge in my hand and you just like toe it and you quickly just look around and be like fuck A did anybody see that B they, they knew that was a practice swing right didn't they they knew I didn't mean that and then I like, but maybe well, some of like, it looks more like a normal shot than others, but it was, it was very yeah, relatable. You've seen me play. How many golfers are there in the world? 50 million. So how many people watch the Masters? Like 35 million. Whenever that happened, 35 million people around the world went, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll go well, one of the uh, entries for funniest thing uh, was Spieth's meltdown. Some people taking a bit of uh, gallows humor in that. <laughs> um, other funniest things we had. What else have we got here? We've got Ernie Els's seventh putt uh, oh, at the first, which was. Uh, that's, I found that. I found that watch. painful. I just. That's yeah, a I tough was... watch because you've been yeah. there, right? How many? Right? You can hold a million three footers in a row but you've been there yourself when you have rounds like that and they just can't go in and you get so in your head about it and you overthink it and you're going, I literally just need to hit this off the middle of the putter straight at the middle of the hole and it will drop and you just can't find either edge of the hole. But like, he, didn't, he didn't even touch the hole. There's three, three of those putts from like two foot that don't even, they don't even burn an edge. He's just totally missed the hole. It's it's absolutely mind blowing, and again, it's just one of those things. And I think that's the things that we find super funny are the ones that are relatable and bring these pro best golfers in the world down to our shitty levels. That that's why it's funny because they are being dragged kicking and screaming down to whatever level we're at. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I've got one here. Uh, Dave again, Dave uh, Dave H. DJ sleeping down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Did he slip? Or was he pushed by pushed by the wife or the whatever his eternal girlfriend? Fiance? I don't know. Are we are we still uh, are we uh, liable for liable charges? <laughs> Just like we know, anything? Let's move it along, then. Yeah. Let's move it along. So, no, no, no. Yeah, just between, between us, what do yeah. you want to say, Gary? <laughs> Oh no, I don't know. I just heard that I heard it was to do with coke and shagging and stuff. So, oh, <laughs> as, as most me. things are with Dustin Johnson, but <laughs> um, Sergio is defending champion on the fifteenth hole, hitting ball yeah. after ball into the water to shoot a thirteen at it. it was uh, Ben Swanton's one? I actually um, I watched that again, the, the clip of that again the other day, and I'd forgotten how like it's just there is ball after up. ball after ball after ball. And every one of them just lands on the green right next to the flag and then the spin kicks in and it just spins back and then rolls back off the green. And you forget just how many of them you put in the water. And he could have done last and, ball. It would be funny in general, but it's the whole defending champion thing. It's like Sergio has got the monkey off his back. He's been chasing majors for years. He's been counted out. He's been diddled down the air, uh, last hole twice by Harrington. He's got so close, he's never going to do it. Holy shit, he's done it. Emotional moment. My brother-in-law puts on Sergio Garcia for the Masters every single year, and he finally got his money for him, and then he turns up the next year as defending champion, proudest punch, most pride in all of Georgia, and then he makes a fucking 13. Uh, <laughs> it's just Golf is poetically the most beautiful sport in the world for things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think I think uh, it, it's one of those things that funny things happen. You don't even realise you that things like that. At the time, you're probably not not really. Laugh. I'm not sure I'd be laughing at that. I'd probably be feeling a bit bit sorry for him if I'm honest. But when you look back on it, I wonder if he's having a little laugh well, about it. When I not quite the same level, but whenever I joined Essendon five years ago, the first time I went out to play in a medal, 
Um, and you know, like you go to a new club, like nowadays I'd know that if I had a really bad hole, I'd just be like, oh, fuck it, NR on the hole and away you go. But the first time I would play on a medal, I'm like, I've got to hole out, I've got to finish the hole. And there's a par five in this, and it's like 600 yards long, and um, it's the fourth hole. And there's a lake in front of the green, and I put my approach, first of all, I put, I was three off the tee, um, put it into the pond to the right of the standard. fairway. And then, it's standard. And then I ended up putting a, an approach into the pond, and then I dropped one, and I put it in the pond, and then I dropped one, and I put it in the pond, and I dropped one, and I put it in the pond. And I remember, like, I just got totally flustered. And I remember there's a guy who was behind me, and then the group behind me, I now know it was a guy called Franco. Um, and he's an all right guy, but all I could hear was Franco screaming to the other people across the fairway, fuck me, he's fucking done it again. I <laughs> 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 hear this down the fairway, and I hit like three more in the ball. Yeah, I think I've got a Magic. 17 in that hole. Oh, that's <laughs> so, solid. So, Super yeah, simple so. question then to wrap up the Masters chat, or to wrap up this bit of the Masters chat. What's your predictions for the week? Who wins, Rob? I Do you know what? I, I always put a bet on, and I always put a bet on Rory. I really hope Rory wins. I know that's the sort of general consensus from, from a lot of the flock, but I just really, really want him to win. If Rory doesn't win, I'd really... I'd like Fleetwood to win. I, I really like Fleetwood as well. So they're my two. But who do I think will win? Ram, maybe DJ is playing very well, and Brooks has has all of a sudden come from nowhere. So, so you're yeah. going out in a limb there and picking the number one, two, Five. three players in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've gone out on a limb. Yeah, <laughs> Crawford, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally can't tell you how much I, I want Rory to win it, but I kind of don't. I, I just don't think he will. Um, but um, I think there's a couple of people I think in with the show. I think Colin Morikawa is going to do well, whether or not he wins or like you know, places well. I think he. Um, he drives it really straight. He's probably the best iron player in the world. And I think the fact that he's gone so far under the radar, under all the noise from everybody else, will really suit him. Yeah, because he did that definitely. at the PGA, the US Open. He was kind of in the spotlight a bit and kind of yeah, shit the bed. Yeah. But I think being under yeah. the radar, guys like him and guys like and Justin like, Thomas, being nice. So, but he's but Colin Marikawa is like, he's the best iron player since Tiger. It's a second shot golf. And everyone's talking about how far Bryson's going to hit it. And that's great, but... It doesn't matter how far you hit it. It's about how where you get it on the green. And if his, if his wages yeah. aren't dialed in, he's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if he's not putting well, he's not going to do it. But Colin Maracau is brilliant with his irons. Um, and if he could put it in the right parts of the green and putt well, he could do with, with a shot. Justin the on, Thomas, the I only, think, is the best all-round golfer of his generation. I think he'd always do with a shout. The only thing with Maracau, it's his first time. Yeah. That's the only that, thing. Sometimes that can play into somebody's advantage because they've not got the scar tissue yet. Well, he's, uh, yeah, he was and interviewed and yesterday and he said that he basically, they, they said to him, what are your expectations? And he said, I don't, I don't deal in expectations. I deal in goals and my goal is to win, which I liked. So, yeah. And uh, maybe, Curtis maybe. Strange smiled at him and said, you'll learn. <laughs> 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 and that went well. Um, yeah. I reckon G- Justin Thomas is my kind of shout um, in terms of a headliner. I think either somebody, Crawford, as you say, like Morikawa or Justin Thomas, somebody that's a second shot golfer wins it, either that or Bryson wins by 10. It's Bryson's either going to win by 10 or 15 shots or he's going to miss the cut. He's not going to kind of hover about there. It's not going to be a tight run race. He's either going to run away with it or, as you quite rightly say, Rob, his uh, putting's not going to work. His irons and wedges aren't going to work. He's going to get heated and heated, and he's going to start blasting balls all over the shop. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does play the course off the tees because, you know, he's already said what he was going to do at winged foot. He's going to hit it as far as he can, and his wedge game was outstanding. Some I can't remember who told me, but he studied the length of the rough and how the ball was lying in the rough and hit different shots out of it to see how it would react because he obviously hit the ball a lot into the rough at, at Wingfoot but he still he, he wedged and putted fantastically well I'm interested to see how aggressive he is and how far he can hit it at Augusta but like you say if his wedge game's off his short game's off he's not going to win it could be but one how weird is it that we've mentioned maybe 10 or 11 different players there and not once has the defending Masters champion and the greatest golfer of all time came up. 
who says in his practice rounds he's been playing well and he quite fancies his chances this week. Does Tiger figure anywhere over the weekend? I hope so. I don't think so. It's I weird. I I think there's a very real possibility Tiger could miss the cut. There's also a very real possibility that he could be in the in the group come Sunday. Um, I think what, what's going to be interesting with this one is whether it's going to be one of those masters that you know one one two three people are way ahead of the pack, yeah. and and everyone's kind of trying to just describe there as an awesome or whether there's just going to be a big like you know, sometimes you get it where like one two under there's like. 10 people within one or two shots of the lead by Sunday morning. And sometimes you get it where somebody's 12 under and the next person is eight. Yeah. Um, like Rory and then yeah. he hits it in the tree and fucking <laughs> loses it all. Um, but um, I mean, I, I'm hoping that it, that I, I'm also, there's a part of me wonders whether this is a year that we're due some crappy middle of the pack guy to have a weekend, week of his life. You yeah. always and, think yeah, like that. Yeah. You always but the, think but, like the, but, the, but the thing is, that like even last year, Gary Woodland won the US. So like every year, there's always at oh. least one. Well, there's a yeah. question then: who would be the shittest, most disappointing winner? Who would be the absolute last person? Reed. Yeah. Uh, Webb Simpson. Yeah, he's he's boring yet inoffensive. See, he's he's yeah. Heinz baked beans. He's boring yet inoffensive. Patrick Reed's a bit more like Branston, like properly out there shit <laughs> will yeah, Charlie Hoffman will Charlie Hoffman find himself in the first round lead again inexplicably yeah. after doing oh, nothing it's, it, it's, 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 it's nailed on Gary it's nailed with on. his green glove <laughs> yeah and we'll wrap up the Masters chat because there was one topic of discussion that came up uh, within the club this week which I thought was quite interesting uh, just touching on Tiger again we'll keep this super brief did Tiger Woods win it last year or did Molinari, Brooks, et al. lose it? Tiger, Tiger won it. <laughs> it's not, here's the thing. I totally understand what, uh, what was being said in that conversation. And it is arguable that, that, you know, a lot of people fucked up on the Sunday and Tiger didn't fuck up. But for the entire history of the Masters, that's what happens at the Masters. The people that win it are the people who don't fuck up on Sunday when everybody else does. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why they I... say it doesn't start until the back nine of the Masters because the back no. nine of the Masters on Sunday is where people let those mistakes creep in and everybody Absolutely. else let those mistakes creep Particularly in. Particularly 10, didn't. 11 and 12. If you can get yeah. through 10, 11 and 12 and then you get you get the, the birdie shots, the birdie holes coming in, 13 and 15... But it does give holes. you it does give you the chance after those holes to be really aggressive if you need yeah. to be as well. So all of a sudden they should you have can like have... a name for that couple of holes, like say a prayer corner or something like that, because it's a tough like little group of holes in there. I know, yeah. But no, it's Tiger maybe. Tiger one hundred million percent went out and won that shit. I'm and not like, yeah, he, else. you know, definitely Brooks went in the water on twelve. Molinari went in the water on twelve. He kept like Tiger saw the saw that. But he's been there like what twenty-two times or something, twenty-three times. Like he knows, he knows yeah. what happens on twelve. He knows that whenever the wind's swirling and when someone goes in the water, just hit the fucking grade. Don't go for yeah. the pin. Don't get suckered in. Hit it over that bunker. If you goes, if it goes short, it goes in the bunker and doesn't go and race quick. Uh, and you know, and then you get through twelve, and then you know, what everyone forgets is that on fifteen he hit the most sublime five iron into the green on fifteen. Like that was a beautiful. I, mean, I remember watching it with everyone in Moortown, absolutely shitting myself, singing, "Oh fuck, please don't go on, please don't mess this up, don't go underwater, don't go long." And he hit this five iron, and it was an absolute beauty that landed like ten feet from the hole. And then, of course, in sixteen, he nearly holds it. He's yeah. half yeah. an inch away from from. I am. I think if he'd hold it, I think he wouldn't have won. Because I think the, the there, adrenaline from having held that would have been. Has it? And then, of course, been... so quickly on on seventeen, he nailed that drive. Yeah. Has there ever been a bigger whipping my dick out and landing it on the table in front of you moment than Tiger Woods casually sauntering onto the 12th green while Molinari and Finau both went to the drop area and Tiger just stood there <laughs> leaning on his putter patiently while these two absolute jabronis came onto the green? <laughs> There is there is no way that that wasn't a fucking a brain you know dick move. Absolutely, he actually totally knew what he was doing. <laughs> uh, total mind games. 
So yeah. before we wrap up, um, what I'll just do right now, if you're listening, is give a big shout out to John Arshad, who set up a gambling betting uh, pool for the Masters. He's put the link into the chat a good few times as well. Pick six players uh, from six different groups, see how their points tote up towards the end. And I think there's like 550 quid there. Um, to be one. So if you want a little bit of extra spice uh, along with your Masters watching, uh, be sure to check that out. Um, that's everything I've got on the side of the Masters and what to look forward to. Any closing remarks, Crawford? No. Rob? <laughs> no, just enjoy. Enjoy it. We might be in lockdown. Winter might be coming. Might be a tough old time. Sit back, relax, crack the beers open, get the barbecue on and enjoy four days of absolutely cracking golf. I'll tell you what I will say. It'll probably never happen in our lifetimes again that we get to see a Masters in November. And I'm yeah, really yeah. looking forward to that. Exactly. So don't, what is it? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't cry at the memories uh, that never happened. Just be thankful for the ones that we have all made. Uh, so we're going to make some good memories this week and we'll be back next week to no doubt talk all about it along with whatever the hell else has been happening in the flock I'm off to Muirfield tomorrow uh, I'm the only one that's got any golf booked which makes a difference uh, from CAD's usual presidential schedule get it right up the both of you anything exciting yeah, planned I over the next week lads? Uh, no no Greg's? <laughs> I shall be I, I shall be not be going to Greg's I might go out and do a biscuit um, fest tomorrow because I'm not playing it supposed to be in Muirfield with you but can't go so I might go down to the shop and just stuff my face full of biscuits. Excellent. And whether you're sitting watching the Masters, whether you're playing at Muirfield or whether you're eating biscuits, have a cracking weekend, enjoy the Masters, and the three of us will speak to you all again next week. Cheerio. No, I tried, stayed relaxed and, you know, kept going. And and you dream about something at the Masters. You, you watch this golf tournament on television all, all these years and you dream of having a putt on the last green to win and... I couldn't believe it, you know, I knocked it in, I, you know, it's a dream come true.